Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you may be listening. Uh, we are so excited to welcome you to... To Jesus. Say, Eden Chapel. Eden Chapel. Devotions. We are so excited for another year in God's Word together. Uh, we believe preaching is important. We believe singing songs to God is important. We believe small groups are important. But ultimately, we believe reading and studying the Word of God is one of the most important things a believer can do because we believe it is in Scripture and from God's Word where we will ultimately hear from Him and will be strengthened and encouraged by Him. And so we are just uh, so pumped to be able to continue reading the Word of God together again this year. So today we are in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And in these chapters, we are really going to see the glory and the power of our Creator, but we are also going to see His grace given to us even in the midst of our wickedness and sin. And through this, we will see how good our God really is laid out in Scripture. And so today, I really want to give us eight truths that I think are really important to this text for us to take away. And our first truth is that God created all. We see it from the very first verse in the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created. Uh, From this, we can see how really powerful he truly is because we get an important truth here. God wasn't made. God always has been. God always will be. There wasn't something that had to happen for God to come about and then As a great designer, he created all things. No, God always has been. And so we see in this, God created all things. And we get to see his power here in that as we read these verses, every time there's a let there be, you know, we get in verse three, let there be light. We get in verse six, let there be an expanse. We get in verse nine, let there be waters. We get in verse 11, let the earth sprout vegetation. We see it time and time again. And we see each time that God says, let there be, what, a, what happens? It is created. We see his power on full display for us that each time he speaks something into creation, it is indeed created. That's how powerful and amazing our God is. But then we also see this awesome truth. Our second truth is that yes, God created all things, but he created all things good because God is good. One of the big things that I love as I read these chapters each time is after he finishes creating it, it says that he saw it and it was good. And it's such a hope for believers that the God who created all things, the God who is our Savior, the God who is in complete and control is good. And because God is good, everything that he creates is good. Good. Like what an important truth that is to take home to us. But then we get to our third truth that I know we all know, but I think it's something big for us to take away because we see in the deceit of the serpent how truthful, how big this truth is to know. We see in verse 26, God says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them and God 
blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. So we see this beautiful picture that God created us. He created man. He created woman in the image of himself. He created us in his own likeness. And we know this is an important truth because when we eventually get to chapter three, what does the serpent say? Serpent say, well, you will just be like God when you eat the fruit. And we see what a lie and twist of scripture this is because what do we see here? You were already created in the likeness of God. So what a truth to know that we are created in the image of the creator. So then our next important truth we see in chapter two is that God gives us a perfect design for the family. In verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave name, names to all livestock and to birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. What, a, what an amazing design we see here because in the beginning and in the creation, the, the labor was easy, the earth was yielding its fruit to them, but God here sees that a helper is needed for Adam, and in this he creates woman. And we see that as a helper to man, that a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they will become one flesh. And in this perfect creation, in this perfect design, they were not ashamed. Like what a beautiful and amazing thing that is in God's perfect design and in creation. But as we know, as we get to chapter three, we see deceit, we see wickedness, we see sin, and we see shame all begin to enter the world. That's our next truth. Evil desires and sin enter in. We see the serpent is more crafty, all right? Even though man, as we read earlier, has dominion. And you see the serpent is crafty. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And so we see a thing that sin often does, the great attack of the enemy that we see all the time just in our own lives. He twists scripture. He twists the word of God and he says, did God actually say this? And as we know, he begins to lie even more. No, when you eat the fruit, you will become like God. 
That, that's why God doesn't want you to eat it. It's because your eyes will be open and you will be like him, knowing good and evil. And so, as we know, they eat the fruit and what do we see happen? They realize their nakedness and they are ashamed. So out of these evil desires and sins, shame immediately enters the world. And from this, we get our next truth, the curses of sin. We see all through verses 14 through 19, God lays out this curse to the serpent. He lays out the curse to woman. He lays out the curse to Adam. And we see from this that labor will no longer be easy for man. Um, We see that childbearing will be hard for woman. We see that her desire will be contrary to her husband and that he shall rule over her, something that, man, we can see in the world today over and over again. So we see the curse of sin enter the world by what they did and not following God's commands. And real quick, this is where I would just encourage us to realize that every do not we see in scripture is covered in love from God. He is loving us by warning us against sin. But in the midst of this curse is just something truly beautiful in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In the midst of our wickedness and in the midst of our sin and in the midst of our shame, God gives us the promise of a savior. This descendant of Eve that will one day crush the head of the serpent. And yes, that the serpent will bruise his heel. And as we know, yes, that Jesus Christ will crush the serpent's head and defeat Satan through his own death. But it doesn't just stop there. We know how the story ends. Our Savior is victorious. But also we get to see God's grace to him. Yes, death has entered the world. Sin has entered the world. They will surely die. All right, though it wasn't immediate, they will surely die one day, but we see God's grace given to him. It says in verse 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So in the midst of our sin and shame and in our wickedness, God clothes us. What a beautiful picture of the gospel that though we don't deserve it, though we should surely die, though we are naked and ashamed, God clothes us in righteousness. He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. What a glorious picture of the gospel. And so I want to end this time in prayer together. And thank you so much for listening in this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your just goodness to us. We thank you so much for your power in creation. We thank you so much that, Lord, despite our wickedness and shame, you love us so much that you sent your son to die our death. Because you are rich in mercy, we thank you for creating a way for us to be made right before you. We thank you for this promise of a Savior. Help us to be more like your son. And we pray that all that we do be for your glory and your glory alone. In your name that we pray, amen.